Hey, my name is Paige, one of our servant leaders here at Ethos. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. We hope you can lean in and enjoy this message. Okay, so week number four, Colossians chapter four, verses two through six. Paul, of course, is writing here. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, Paul says. I love how Paul invites us to pray for him. Like we ought to be people who are regularly asking our friends, our church family, our community, hey, would you pray for me? Paul says, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Paul's writing this letter in prison. He says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We're concluding our series today in this book of Colossians, a book that we also have a devotional to go along with it. And in fact, if you haven't started the devotional yet, that's okay. We have the digital resources available on our website for you. And we would encourage you at any time, take advantage of all of our devotionals. You can you can access them and send them to friends or go through them with friends at any time. But this book is just this beautiful, stunning book. And I love how Paul ends this particular letter to the, to the people at Colossae, to the church at Colossae. He, he begins ending this letter by first asking for prayer. And then in the following three verses, Paul gives us, and this is where I want to just spend a, just a few brief moments this morning. He, he tells us three characteristics that should govern our speech or govern our words. Eugene Peterson, he said, we cannot be too careful about the words we use. We start out using them, but if we're not careful, they end up using us. How many of y'all know that is true, man? I have caught myself too many times saying words I wish I could take back, not saying things I wish that I could later have said as an encouragement or as a prayer to others. In this particular case here in Colossians, the fourth chapter, Paul is encouraging the responsibility that we have to evangelize, to tell people about Jesus as much as any missionary all over the world has a responsibility to tell people about Jesus, that we carry that same same unique privilege. But, But here's where Paul kind of makes this statement unique or makes this opportunity unique. He says, we got to blend our words with wisdom and with, in one sense, this reckless sense of urgency that exhausts every opportunity to reach unbelievers. So wisdom and urgency to reach people who are far from God. And so first, Paul says, our words should always be gracious. Look again at Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, let your conversation always be full of grace. You ever failed at that before? I, I know that I have. I've had many conversations just in the last week that I reflect on. I'm like, that wasn't full of grace. Civility and graciousness, though, they make everyone more receptive to the message of Christ. 
gracious speech forms a stark contrast even with the sins that Paul lays out listed in Colossians chapter 3. Just a, just a chapter before what he talks about here in verse 6. Now check this out. Colossians 3 verse 8, Paul says, we've got to rid ourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, even filthy language from our lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its old practices and put on the new self. This new being that we are now as a son and daughter of God. Oftentimes in response to kind of the arrogant opponents who belittle Christian faith, we in return become cocky and arrogant ourselves. But few people have ever been argued into Christianity. Can, can you just think for a moment, have you ever argued somebody into following Jesus? Have you ever been argued into following Jesus? Probably not. As Christians, therefore, what we got to remember, that is not so much by our words, but how we use our words and how we reveal Christ through our lives that will attract people to us or repel people from us. And in this case, simultaneously attracting people to Christ or repelling people from Christ. Paul goes on, he says, our words also ought to be salty. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says, our words should be seasoned with salt. Now, in our day, salty language is something replete with profanities, right? Like, I don't know if you ever heard of that before, but there's even some slang, like, that's a little salty. Like, your speech is a little salty, but that is not the way that Paul is using this phrase. In fact, now this is important to note, because sometimes when we read the scriptures, what Paul is implying is unfamiliar to us, but it was not unfamiliar language to the people in which he was speaking to. So we have to do our due diligence to study the scripture. This phrase, seasoned with salt, was a common idiom to the Greeks, in this case, within the Roman world where Paul was writing. And it literally meant witty, amusing, clever, and humorous speech. So Paul is saying, let your speech be witty, clever, humorous, even amusing. See, sometimes... Our saltiness, our lack of saltiness, will prevent people actually from having any interest in the message of Christ. We can, as Christians, sometimes become so, um, I don't know what the right way to say is, but almost so serious in one sense that people are like, I don't know if I want anything to do with you. It's good to take life seriously, but not always take ourselves quite so seriously. You know as well as I do. It is so unbelievably refreshing to be around people who know how to smile, who know how to have fun, who know how to laugh. I think of my brother, Daryl Baker, here at Ethos. Daryl's always laughing like he has this loud and infectiously attractive laugh. Rachel Hill, good friend of our family, and her husband, Mike Hill, they're four boys. Rachel's always laughing. There's an attractiveness to people when you just know how to enjoy life, right? Like when, when somebody, you're like, man, I know life is serious, but man, it's just refreshing to be around people who know how to smile. Paul then continues. He says, so in addition, he concludes verse six here by saying our words ought to be ready. Verse six, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Have you ever been caught off guard by an appointment that you forgot about? Or maybe you never even knew? Like that happens to me way more than I like to admit. I'll get a text from somebody be like, hey, I thought we were meeting 
I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I completely forgot. Or, oh my gosh, I put it on the wrong day. Sometimes even in the wrong year. I'm like, well, I had it. I had a meeting scheduled for October 31st, 2024. Like I put it on the wrong year that just happened to me just last week. And it, it catches you off guard. You're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Well, Paul says, hey, we ought not be that way when it comes to questions that people have about faith, questions that people have about Jesus. We need to have answers ready for those who challenge or are even just curious about what we believe as it relates to Jesus. But, but to do this, though, we need to be well-grounded in our faith. It doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't mean that we're always going to you know, know every answer to every question that comes our way. But it does mean that we're quick to say, that's a good question. I'm not really sure the answer to that. But I'd love to help discover that alongside of you or, or give me some time. I'd love to help even connect you in a relationship with somebody who maybe is a bit more seasoned in their faith and, and we can dig into this together. Like we, we need to, listen, Ethos, this is ultimately what Paul is getting at here. We need to be on the lookout for opportunities, for opportunities to share our faith. Like daily, our life, the ways in which we, we interact with our kids parents, the way we interact with our peers at school, in the hallways, on campus, all of this, just our daily life affords us continual opportunities to witness for Christ, to influence people for Jesus. But there are so many of us who avoid the opportunities instead of embracing them. And Paul is saying, no, that there can be a courage that swells up within you, even a joy that comes from sharing your faith. I want to share with you just a few cues a few cues that we ought to take note of as it relates to like, when is somebody like maybe revealing in a way that they're not even aware of, that they're curious about Jesus, or at least giving us an open door to share more of the good news about Christ. Here's just three things. When someone says something as it relates to, hey man, things just are not going well in this area of my life, that may be a great opportunity to pray with them, to come alongside them, Maybe they don't believe in the power of prayer. Maybe they've been turned off by Christians before. But maybe this is a great opportunity for us. We're like, man, things just aren't going well for me. Maybe it's a great opportunity for us to say, man, can, can I just, is there anything I can do for you? Can we talk about this some more? I'd love to hear a little bit more of the details so I can pray real specifically for the situation in your life. Or if someone says to you, I was not prepared for, or I was not prepared when, and, and as a result, anytime that we're not prepared for something, there's some anxiety that kind of swells up within us, Christians and non-Christians alike. Again, it's a great opportunity. It's a great cue to say, hey, like, what's going on? Can, can I hear more about that? Or, I'm not from here. Whenever you have a neighbor who just moved in or someone that comes alongside and they're working at your place of employment now or they're brand new to your school, I'm not from here. They need community. All of us have been built because of the image of God within us, to crave community, to crave relationship. Great opportunity to invite somebody to church. They're looking for opportunity to connect, even if they don't believe in God or they're, they're not sure what they believe about God. If Christians, if we, followers of Jesus, felt the same urgency to reach others as we do oftentimes about securing our own welfare, then our churches would see amazing results. Like, think about that for a moment, how much effort and energy, energy and stress goes into just kind of building our life, building our 401k, our Roth IRA, our 
bank account, our status, our reputation, our, our reputation, our reputation. Like so much energy goes into that. What if the same, even more energy went into God, use me to reach the people in my world. Now, Paul concludes, and here's where we're ending today. He concludes from verse 7 to verse 17 of Colossians chapter 4. In these 11 verses, Paul just starts encouraging people, calling them out by name. And I love this about Paul. In fact, you'll see this theme over and over at the end of all of Paul's letters. He's so quick to say, I mean, I just want to give a shout out to some friends. I just want to talk about how awesome they are. I just want to talk about what they're doing on your behalf. I just want to talk about how they've been an encouragement in my life. And like Paul, he's actually modeling something for us that we should never lose sight that God has called us to serve him and has called us to serve with others alongside of them, him together, that we need each other's prayers and support. Paul clearly did not believe that he was a self-made man, that he was self-sufficient. He needed the help of all those listed here in Colossians 4, and he appreciated and affirmed each person's contributions, that he was not working alone. And in particular, in Colossians 4.12, he says Epaphras. Epaphras is the man. Epaphras is widely considered to be the one who founded and started the church at Colossae. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, he wants to send his greetings. He asked me to tell you to say hi. He's also wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. William Cowper's hymn expresses it well. He says it like this, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying Epaphras is constantly on his knees for you. He's praying for you. He's praying that your faith would stand firm. He's praying that your heart would be open to see those who are far from God and that you'd recognize the unique opportunity in which your words can help draw people into a relationship with Christ. And so as we close out Colossians 4, here's the question I want to pose to, to all of us together, myself included. Who are you wrestling for? Whose name is it that keeps coming up within you? And you're like, man, I just, I want them so badly to know Jesus. I, I want their, maybe, maybe they already know, do know Jesus. Be like, man, I just want their faith, their relationship with Christ to grow deeper more firmly established. They, they have so many questions and so tossed around by the circumstances and the situations of life. I just, I want them to know that God is for them. I, like they've just been heavy on my heart. Who are you wrestling for? Here's another way to say it. Who is far from God, but close in relationship to you? If you don't have somebody in your life that you've been praying for, that you've been wrestling for in prayer, can you take a moment even now to consider who that may be? And with the same energy that we pray for the things that we want God to do in our own lives, would we pray with that same fervency for others who don't know God or whose faith we want so desperately to become more deeply rooted in Christ? Who are you wrestling for? Who is far from God but close in relationship to you. 
I pray that we'd be a people of God, a community, a family who understands the mission at hand and with saltiness, with joy, we pursue people who are far from Him. We're like, man, God is that good. Yeah, but what about this question, Jordan? I know, we all got questions, but come on, let's, let's search the scriptures together. Let's search for the answers together because the mission is worth it. And so take some time, even right now, to write that person's name down or write multiple names down. Put them on a card, a post-it note. Put them in your car or maybe at your desk or maybe in a book that you're currently reading or in your Bible. And every morning, just begin to pray for them by name. And we never underestimate the power of our prayers to reach those who are far from God because that, at the core of what makes God so beautiful, is his heart to see people come into a life-giving relationship with him. Father, thank you for these moments that we have this morning to be encouraged by your word, to be challenged by your word. May we be a people, not just at Ethos, but a people, a people of Columbus, a people of Central Isle. Would you encourage the churches and the Christians all around to see the mission at hand and to love people well? to use our words to draw people into relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.